0: Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. Bill, are you still wandering the fever swamps of D.C. where you believe Hillary Clinton might not be the nominee? Don't you understand she's inevitably the next president of the United States, whether you like it or not?
1: Right, Hillary, because it's got to be. Exactly. It's their campaign slogans, You know. Sw- Hard and accept it. The um, about four or five months ago, I, I think I said on ABC's this week uh, with George Stephanopoulos that I um, thought there was a one in three chance that she was she would not be the nominee, Hillary would not be the nominee. And I remember after that we were chatting after the you know we went off the air, and everyone thought that's a little crazy, Bill. I mean it was a fun prediction, but <laughs> it's going to be you know really that she's not going to be the nominee that's more like a 1 in 10 or even 1 in 20 I mean she's just 90% certain to be the nominee and now I, I think it's less than 50-50 I think I, it's a, a rare case where I think I was I was right I was always a Hillary skeptic the latest NBC Wall Street Journal poll has her what 8 points ahead of Bernie Sanders nationally nationally Bernie Sanders a socialist from Vermont Biden is third but of course if he announces I think he'll he'll gain gain a lot of that ground I wouldn't be surprised by December by October 13th which is the first Democratic debate in a couple of weeks, if Biden announces before then that it's a straight-out three-way race, that Hillary's margin has evaporated. Um, and the email and server story continues to come out. It's not going away. The FBI keep, keeps on finding new things. Someone pretty high up in the White House or the administration, I think, is providing some of those new things to the media, which is, makes one wonders you know, what the o, Obama team's attitude towards a Hillary run is. So we put all that together. I think she's in deep trouble.
0: But, you know, I heard an analysis again and again on what, what, the places you'd expect, CNN and MSNBC. No, she's still... Still solid among Democratic primary voters, likely Democratic primary voters. They are going to stick with Hillary. All of the criticism rolling off their backs. They have no concern that she will uh, be either a weak nominee and have no doubt that she will be the next president.
1: I mean, I think the one thing, the only of truth in that is that they continue to be favorably disposed to her. It's not like with Republican primary voters with Jeb Bush. Remember what it was going to be an inevitable bush Clinton race? Um, Republican primary voters... Stunningly, and this really is stunning, have a net plus one favorable. A view of Jeb Bush. That's I
0: agree 40. with you. I'm stunned that there's a net positive. How is that no, still happening? No, but hey,
1: you got, you've been around. Look, I was Dan Quayle's <laughs> chief of staff, 25. Let's get this. I want to get back to Hillary in a second, but let's talk about Bush for a minute. I was Dan Quayle's chief of staff 25 years ago. Uh, he was just pummeled by the media, and we made some mistakes, and you know, he obviously had a bad public right. image, undeserved, but nonetheless, there was. And I remember looking at polls during the Bush-Quayle presidency in 1990-91, and we would be underwater. Quayle's favorable unfavorable among the public would be Low, right. uh, but he was ahead among Republicans. Would be plus twenty, plus twenty-five, plus sure. thirty among Republicans. Would be minus sixty among Democrats. So <laughs> it would be, you know, would be negative net. But I, I mean. It, Ted Cruz is a pretty controversial figure. He's plus 21 mm-hmm. among Republicans. For Bush to be, think about that. Half the Republicans are saying they have an unfavorable view of Jeb Bush. Not, gee, I have kind of a favorable view, but I'm not sure I want him to be president. An unfavorable view, I really think Bush may be done. I just don't know how you can turn that around unless he can just totally reintroduce himself to the Republican primary electorate. Anyway, Hillary doesn't have that. Hillary's still right. favorably viewed by Democratic voters. But I think but Biden is just as favorably viewed. Sanders. Is getting there, and and most telling for me was in the in the NBC uh, Wall Street Journal poll, in in comparable matchups, same poll, same time, apples to apples kind of thing. Uh, Hillary is, I think, uh, one point. Uh, behind Carly Fiorina and one point ahead of Jeb Bush. Joe Biden is six points ahead of Fiorina and eight points ahead of Bush. So very consistent. Biden runs about seven points better in a matchup against possible Republican nominees than Hillary. I think if you're a sort of normal Democratic uh, activist, donor, or voter, and you want to win, and you know ideologically how different to Hillary and Biden, really, you think to yourself, gee, there was all this talk about the first woman president and Hillary would be the strongest. But this is just a fact. That Biden looks like he could hold the White House, and hillary can 't and i I think that will continue therefore the 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 deterioration in Hillary's standing. I wrote an editorial this in the current issue of the magazine saying Republicans need to stop assuming that the next general election will be about Hillary, and therefore assume that they can basically win by just running against Hillary uh, and assume that she 'll be you know upside down and her favorable unfavorable and now they need to worry a little more about Biden who actually has a decent, you know, is decently viewed by the public. Right. He has problems, I think, too, third term of Obama and all that. But uh, I really do think the odds are now less than 50-50 that Hillary's the nominee.
0: Uh, well, in that case, the Republicans need to change their strategy completely. They got to keep her in the race. They, 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 <laughs> no, I you know. know. I wish. I wish Republicans were clever yeah. enough to do that. You know. You know, we, six months ago, you and I were talking about how she was the perfect person for the Republicans to run against because she looked inevitable, but she was in fact very, very weak, kind of like one of those boxers who was past their prime but had a big name, and you wanted to go in and beat them so you could say, "Yeah," and really it wasn't that big of a fight. And this is this is terrible, um, but the Republicans, uh, you know, uh, can't worry about uh, messing with uh, the Democratic choice because they're too busy trying to screw with the Republican choice and figuring out what they're gonna what they're gonna do here. And I I am encouraged by the fact that the numbers are so fluid that you'll see, you know, Ben Carson from nowhere surging up to essentially a tie with uh, with uh, Trump. Uh, you know, Carla is uh, zipping right up, and we both know that any of them could. Zip right back down again. I think this is good if you want to end up with somebody who's ready for the uh, general election next year.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I mean, I've mean, i always been a fan of sort of more candidates running and a doubter that any of these people had really built in Strength, And I think you and I have agreed on that. And and I think that's turned out to be the case. I mean, if Scott Walker can go from 20 to zero in two, three months, and uh, Carson can go from five to 20 and Fiorina from zero to to 11, it says that people are looking at the race, making up their mind, changing their mind. And I think that's healthy. And I agree. It tends to suggest that ultimately the person who's the best candidate uh, will win, that voters will rally to that person. Uh, They'll go through other, you know, they'll they'll look at others on the way. So it's not worth panicking about someone being at 21 now. But if I were a candidate at three or four, also, I would think, you know, why why can't I rise? And I'm not sure anyone's going to get out. The the media has, for some reason, thinks its job is to kind of weed the candidates out and pressure them to get out. But if I were Chris Christie at this point, or John Kasich or others, I'd say, you know what, I don't know, if if Fiorita can go from one to eleven, maybe I can't with a good debate performance. So I think it means more candidates stay in, which is, I don't know, depending on how you look at it, problematic, or, or maybe it's a good thing. I think it's very, very fluid. Um, and the one fact you got to say though about that latest poll, which is amazing, is fifty-two percent of the electorate, of the Republican primary electorate, is for now say therefore now uh, Trump Fiorita, or Carson Trump Carson or Fiorina to put it in order. Fifty-two percent for someone who's never been elected to any to any uh, never been in elective office. That's pretty. I think that is kind of unprecedented. I was thinking about this. The top six, uh, I think those three plus uh, Rubio, Bush, R- Rubio Bush and Cruz. Right. have together won four statewide elections. Bush won twice, <laughs> Rubio once, Cruz once. It's so unbelievably different from the normal Republican right. model, the, 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 the Dole's and the McCain's, the Bush's, even Reagan, you know, that I, I don't know. I mean, it's just It's it's just uncharted. It's a cliche to say it at this point, but it really is true. The Republicans have just never had a field like this or a race like this, and who the heck knows what's going to happen.
0: But also, you can uh, see the logical consistency when you watch what the federal government has done when you watch its performance. Why in the world would you go back? It's like, you know, GM has sold you five crummy cars in a row and then you say, well, that forget it. I'm going to go to your competitor. But they've only been in the car business for 20, yeah, but they don't do the crap job that you do. And I think uh, to conclude the podcast here, Bill, with looking at foreign policy right now, I mean, it, President Obama's speech yesterday was cringeworthy when he's lecturing the Iranians. Don't you know, that chanting death to America won't create a single job? Which, I, What does what that even, So what, you think the, uh, the uh, mullahs are going to go, you know, he's got a point there. Everybody, cancel the death to America rally on Thursday. Call the Tehran Chamber of Commerce. We'll make it a job fair instead. I mean, it's like they, they, the world is laughing at us and they should be looking at the disastrous results of our policies.
1: Yeah, and the speech was just appalling when you read it. I mean, I, I don't know what's worse if, if he believes it. <laughs> that sort of this kind of, you know, fifth-grade level lecture is going to actually affect anything out there. Or if he doesn't believe it, he's just saying stuff because, you know, he knows that everything's falling apart and he has nothing to really serious to say about except he's just hoping that things don't fall apart too fast, I suppose, on his watch. I've been struck how many people I've talked to in the last week, both foreign policy experts, but also sort of politicians who do a little foreign policy and actual just citizens and voters, who do realize, I I do think something has tipped in the last few weeks of the Iran deal, I think Putin especially, the notion that Putin is sort of running the Middle East, that that Benjamin Netanyahu, who loves the U.S., a strong American ally, Israel, a strong American ally, he flew to Moscow. He didn't really want to do that, I wouldn't say. You know, he, he prefers the U.S. to Russia in a million different ways, but you know what? Putin's going to matter. Putin is sending arms, sending soldiers, arming others. And Israel's got real security concerns. And if Netanyahu can have a serious talk with Putin in private about Hezbollah or about Iran and get something done. He'll do it. And in the past, uh, that's what the U.S. president did, you know. And now, what the Israeli prime minister has to watch out for himself. And of course, Putin is 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 uh, uh, talking to everyone. He's not trustworthy. But and Netanyahu has to do the best he can do for the next 15, 16 months. So it's really appalling I, I, and worrisome, obviously, in terms of the world for the next year. Huge opportunity for Republicans, and that's where I think they, you know, having Clinton, Biden, maybe John Kerry as their leading Democrats, leading candidates, they're all implicated, to say the least, in Obama's foreign policy. So I'm, I'm optimistic for Republicans in 2016. I just don't know who the, who the candidate's going to be.
0: And Bill Crystal, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.